Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. It's good to see you. How's everybody feeling? That's, that, was, that was lame. I've got to be honest with you guys. That was really, really terrible. How are you guys feeling? All right. It's good to have you. My name is Grant Collins. If it's your first time here, we're really excited that you're here. Uh, we got a whole cluster of ladies from Fort Benning here doing airborne school. Give them a round of applause. Ladies, thank you for serving us in the military. They're here for like three weeks, right? Yeah, so we got you for a short time. We're not going to mess you up too bad, hopefully. Um, it's good to have you with us. We've also got several other guests. If you're a guest with us today, will you do me the profound honor? Would you stand to your feet and let everybody just celebrate you for a second? We don't want to shock you too bad. Come on, ladies. I believe in you. All right. We're excited that you're here. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for letting me embarrass you just a little bit. Uh, if you are a guest with us and you're uh, planning to be around a little bit, you're welcome to sit down. Um, we have these. These look like offering envelopes, and they are, but they're also just guest cards. It's just for you to fill out your name and your email address or your phone number if you want to be contacted. We would love to just check in with you. Uh, we believe the church isn't a service. It's not just what happens on the weekends, but it's actually a family, a group of people who learn how to love each other really well and fight for each other and pray for each other. And that's more than a Sunday thing. It's an everyday kind of thing. Uh, and so we believe in just connecting with the body. So if you're a guest with us and you want to connect, feel free to fill that out. Um, if this is your first week and you're like, you know, we're just kicking the tires, that's fine. Just come and check things out. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to ask us. We would love to help answer those. Um, also today, before we jump in very deep, we're going to... Um, we're going to prepare to give tithes and offerings, and so uh, if you're a part of the body, one of the things that we practice as a means of worship is giving, um, and thank you, Christopher Masu, with the hand clap on the offering. Hey, I love giving. I remember as a young teenager, my dad was the pastor of our church, and um, it was the first time he started to talk about a building fund, and I don't know what kind of weird kid I was, but I was like, yes, something I can sink my teeth into, a building fund, and started to give toward like the church's building, and it actually... It did something in my heart that I didn't really know it was going to do. It started to broaden my commitment to the body of Christ and to see what the needs were for the church. And then I started to give to missionaries who were moving overseas to tell other people about Jesus where there was little to no access. And that began to change my heart. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't ever tested God in that way, uh, in, in giving, in tithing, in giving offerings, man, it's such a beautiful way that God shows up. And over and over in mine and Chrissy's marriage, uh, when we were, um, we've been on one income since Chrissy was pregnant with Lily, and God has over and over just shown us his faithfulness uh, in taking care of us and meeting our needs uh, in moments where we felt like, man, the, the dollar signs are not going to add up, and yet somehow God did it every time. And so I want to encourage you, take that leap of faith um, and, and partner with God in that way. But before we do that, uh, the guys are going to come in a minute, uh, we want to honor Wesley Rice who loves being honored in front of people. It's his very favorite. Uh, you guys give it up. Wesley's going to stand, and he's going to come this way. No, no, no. That's it, Casey. Give it to him. That's right. He's not just handsome. This isn't just hipster facial hair. This is... It's called kneecap hair. A kneecap hair. That's right. 
Now, Wesley uh, interned with us this year as part of Columbus Leadership College, uh, so he was with us on a weekly basis, and it was during a really weird season to intern with the church because we were still figuring out what in the world we were doing. We're still doing that, uh, as a matter of fact, um, but Wesley always showed up ready to work, ready to serve and assist, and if you've known Wesley, he's the man of a million talents and is really good at all of them, which is super intimidating and like frustrating for other people who aren't as talented, you know? Uh, about all of it. <laughs> or he's a liar, one or the other. But Wesley has been a huge blessing to us this past semester. Uh, and to me personally, he and I have gone back several years, I don't know, seven or eight years now, something like that. And um, just seen so much growth in him and how the Holy Spirit has led him. And he really feels like the Lord has led him uh, to be invested and rooted at North Highland Church while he's at CLC. And then we're praying him right back on into Fountain City. So um, anyway, we're we're so thrilled that you got to be with us and that we got to be a part of what God's doing in you. Uh, and we got to borrow Emory for a couple months in the same way. Uh, <laughs> and so we're going to try to keep her. That's right. Um, but we just wanted to say thank you. Um, just seeing how the Lord has cultivated your heart deep in your roots and clarified really a ministry call in you, even over the past six months, uh, has been really incredible. And so um, I didn't ask you if you wanted to do this, but do you want to just say anything to the people this morning? Um. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, no I think, you know, it was funny because earlier, earlier as we were doing worship, I just had this word in my head, and it's been kind of going through my brain the past couple of months, but really today it just hit me kind of hard. And that word for me that I've been wrestling with, just to be honest with my family for a minute, is shame. And shame is not like, oh, I did something bad, now I feel shameful. That's called guilt. That's guilty. Shame is like, I'm ashamed of part of my past or what I grew up with and different things like that. And something that I've always wrestled with is like, okay, well, maybe that's not the right decision or this isn't the right decision. And um, something the Lord has been teaching me is, you know, there, there are no wrong decisions when it comes to him. You know, it's if you, if you give your life to Christ and you say yes to him and he offers you, yeah, the, uh, you know, an apple or an orange, there's no wrong decision on whether you take the apple or the orange. Um, and so this morning I just had that on my heart. So it's kind of funny that Grant asked for me to share. I was prepared. <laughs> um, nice. But, you know, w when the Lord asks you to do something, you know, presents you with an opportunity, just go all in, yeah. you know. Don't, don't go half-heartedly. Don't, you know, just do something 50%. Go 110%. Go the extra mile. When you're, when you're giving to the church and your tithes and offerings, you know, go that extra 10%. You may only have 10, but try to see if, the, if you can offer 15, you know. Um, so that's just my encouragement to you guys, but yeah. Hey, we're going to say a word of prayer over Wesley. He's been a blessing to us, and, uh, man, we're, we're really excited about this next season and just watching what God does. Yeah. There's no strings attached, but there is a road. There's no strings attached, but he has to stay in a relationship long-term with us. It's like a creepy dating relationship that won't end. <laughs> There's a lasso somewhere. Okay. Those of you who are new, awkward is our language, so it's fine. You'll get, you'll get used to it. Jesus, we just thank you for Wesley. Lord, I thank you, God, for the spirit that you have put on him and in him. Lord, it's the same as your son Jesus out of Isaiah 61. You said the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives and sight to the blind, and to proclaim the year of God's favor. God, I just pray for your favor to go before Wesley. 
Lord, that as he proclaims it in a real way, God, in real time with the people around him, in CLC, God, at church, Father, in his workplace, in his family, and in the community, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would use him for your glory, that you would manifest your presence in his life, that he would see you and hear you, and he would touch you, Father God, and that he would know you. Lord, I just pray for a deep-seated intimacy with you, God, to, uh, to surround his life. And God, in this next season, that you would lead him in paths of righteousness, that you would take him into deep places with you, God, and remind him of what you've called him to. We thank you, God, for the last several months with him. And I just ask you, Lord, that your hand would be on him. Holy Spirit, that you would anoint him again, God, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. I thank you, Lord, that you transform us from the inside out. God, and from the outside, you clothe us with power. So, Lord, clothe him in power to do all that you've called him to do. And we just give you thanks for his life in the last several months with him. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Y'all give it up for Wes. Love you, man. All right. It's good to see you guys. Thanks again for being here. Um, really quickly, our guys are going to come and they're going to pass the containers to Dustin and Chris. Y'all give it up for them. They're glorious. Come on. Look at them. Go ahead and y'all pass those. Um, as they pass those, I'm going to go ahead and begin if that's cool. Um, I never knew what to do with like passing the offering times in church. That was always strange to me. So um, we're just going to go ahead and start as you guys pass those. Okay. By the way, if you use an envelope, these are tax deductible gifts. So feel free to take advantage of that. Um, over the past couple of weeks, we started a series on the Holy Spirit and uh, I was gone for the last two weeks. So I just want to thank my dad for filling in for me. Um, I learned everything I know about the spirit from him. Um, but he began by talking about the Holy Spirit and how he brings order to chaos. And I, I don't know about for you, but that's a significant way that God deals in our lives. He kind of steps into the chaos and the brokenness um, that many of you may feel. And he begins to bring order to those places. And he confronts those places. Uh, and he also brings us into the rest of God. Um, Rest is a massive theme all through the scriptures. It's where God is comfortable. It's his authority, the place where he is unchallenged in his leadership over your life. Uh, and so I pray over the last couple of weeks as he talked about the rest of God and the order of God and finally living out a counterculture through the spirit last week. I pray that you guys were really challenged. How many of you felt like the Lord really started to shape some things in you and confront some ideas you had about the spirit in the last couple of weeks? All right couple of really skittish hands. Good. Okay. <laughs> uh, tell me about it. Um, and so I believe over these past couple of weeks, one of the things that we really want to frame out as a church family is that we want to be people not only of the presence of God um, and the power of God, we want to be people of the Spirit. We want to do that. We want to see that in our times of worship, that we are pursuing things of the Spirit in our times of prayer um, and in our, in our devotion to Jesus in every realm. And so I believe that God is calling us to be a people who live under the influence of the Spirit and who learn what it means to yield to His leading in everything that we do. Uh, and the refrain that my dad left us with last week that I thought was really important is that we have to learn to give access to the Spirit. Uh, you know, if you grew up in a charismatic circle like I did, oftentimes you were waiting for some um, spiritual zap to hit you at the altar like a force but we never realize that it's the Spirit is the presence of Jesus. He is the uh, unembodied presence of Jesus for all of us who is actually ministering to us. Uh, and we give him access to change us 
and also to use our lives. And so we want to be people who are giving access to the Spirit. Um, and so we've been talking about how the Spirit transforms us from the inside. But my question this morning is, what do we do about this mission of God in the earth and how has God equipped us to do it? Um, Pentecost Sunday is a big deal for us. Um, and so this morning we're going to read out of chapters 1 and 2 out of the book of Acts. And so go ahead and turn there if you've got your Bibles this morning. I want to talk to you about the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking the last two weeks about the presence of the Spirit and how He changes us from the inside. But how about how He clothes us with power? All through the Scripture, there is um, a trend that whenever the Spirit comes on people, He clothes them in power for specific purposes and tasks. And it's His power. It's not our power. Uh, it's His gifting. It's not our gifting. And yet somehow He uses us as um, feeble, imperfect conduits to bring about his powerful, perfect purpose. And that is shocking to me. And that has, um, has warranted me focusing my, my heart and my mind on who the Holy Spirit is and the activity of the Spirit in my life over the past 10, 15 years, just being enamored with how the Spirit works and moves in people's lives. Uh, so today we're going to read from Acts, Acts 1 and 2, not Acts, Acts 1 and 2. Um, and I, I want to start in verse 4. You guys shout at me if you're there. All right. And if you're not there, I think we have it on the screen for you. He says, On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized in water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, verse 7, it's not for you to know the times or the, or the dates, the epochs that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now skip over to Acts chapter 2 verse 1 and we're going to continue to read. So Jesus has left them with this idea that after he's ascended to the Father, they're supposed to wait in Jerusalem. And here they are in Acts chapter 2, waiting in Jerusalem. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and this is where we are. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, all those disciples, in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can you imagine if that was to happen right now in this place? praying and worshiping, and suddenly a violent wind hits the house. I told the guys the other day, I was actually reading this and studying in the building, and I read that passage. Suddenly the sound like a blowing of a violent wind, and that storm that came through on Friday hit the church at that exact moment, and I freaked out a little bit. I thought, it's happening again. It's time, you know. <laughs> I was looking around for fire. Um, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, 
Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And the world has continued to ask that question ever since. What in the world does this mean? What is the Holy Spirit all about? Today we celebrate the birthplace of the church. This is ground zero for the movement of the kingdom of God and the spread of the gospel all through the earth. This story in Acts chapter 2, a group of, of broken men uh, who had just seen their Savior murdered, resurrected, stood and watched him ascend into the clouds and into heaven, and now are waiting for this gift of the Father. And much like you and I and the crowd that's present in Acts chapter 2, this, this, uh, this story of the Holy Spirit, this theme of the Holy Spirit conjures up all sorts of ideas and notions and even preconceived ideas that we may bring to the table. How many of you have some big questions when it comes to the Holy Spirit? How many of you have some big questions when it comes to the Holy Spirit? Like, how do you work? What is your purpose today? Are you speaking to me or is that just the pizza, you know, from last night? A lot of times we bring our preconceived notions and our ideas to the table with the Spirit. Uh, and I think the disciples did the exact same thing. For some of you, you grew up with no connection to the Spirit. Uh, it wasn't a part of your life or maybe your faith practice. Um, and if you're honest, maybe talk about the Holy Spirit this morning freaks you out a little bit. Uh, you're a little skittish of it or you kind of want to put that in an arm's length because you're not sure how it works. Maybe you think the Holy Spirit's going to make you do something weird or embarrass you. How many of you have had that fear before? Oh, gosh, if I surrender to him, I'm in trouble. I'm going to have to speak in tongues in the grocery store. You know, like we have all kinds of thoughts that we bring to the table when it comes to the spirit through either watching other people who have walked with the spirit um, or through reading the scriptures and not fully understanding. And some of you grew up actually hearing about the spirit, but never really experiencing his power or his presence. Uh, maybe you came from a church tradition where they taught you that the gifts ceased and that the power of the Spirit was residential, but there were no uh, manifestations or signs on the outside. They haven't. The signs haven't ceased. And maybe you even heard that Pentecostals are weird. We kind of are. Like, that's true. Um, and for others, you've walked with the Spirit. For others of you this morning, you have a history with the Spirit where you've seen and experienced the presence of Jesus in your life where he is changed things and he has shaped you and he has molded you in a way that you can't even fully understand or explain all the time you just know that it's him uh, and maybe this morning this is a refresher for you I want us to notice from the scripture that that even the disciples bring confusion to the table when it comes to things of the spirit Jesus says don't leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift of the father he says you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and what's their response Lord are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, what are they asking? This is kind of Bible language. It's a little coded for us. They're asking, God, are you going to give us power to kill all our enemies? That's what they're asking. Guys, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. God, can we kill everyone we hate? That's the conversation, okay? So in case you haven't felt the tension in the conversation this morning, it would be like if I said that you will be baptized and you said, good, I have some people that I really want God to kill. That's what the disciples think is going on here. Are you at this time going to give us power to kill all the Romans and for Israel to take charge again? 
Now, the context is there's, uh, that the Holy Spirit wasn't a new thing for the Jews. This, it wasn't like they came out of nowhere with this question or that this made no sense to them. They had some grid, but it was different. And Jesus was telling them that this baptism in the Spirit was going to transform them and change them in a different way than anything they'd ever experienced before. Um, see, the, the Jews have this incredibly long history with the Spirit of God coming on the prophets and kings and the judges all throughout the Old Testament. And whenever the Holy Spirit would come on people, he would come on them to accomplish specific purposes um, so that they could defeat the enemies of God and bring about God's order in the earth. All right? So the Jews know, I mean, when, they, when, they, when the, the, the violent wind came, I don't think that they were shocked about what was happening. They knew this is the Holy Spirit, right? They had some sense of it. They had seen Elijah calling down fire from heaven. They had seen the coming of the Spirit on the judges who conquered the enemies of God. And so their idea of the Holy Spirit is conquering spirit who kills enemies, right? Uh, here's some examples. Most of these, all of these actually are out of Judges. Um, I chose the fun, violent ones um, just so you could get a grid for why they were thinking the way they were thinking. Judges chapter 3, verse 10. The Spirit of God comes upon Othniel who defeats Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram, and he delivers his people. Uh, you can write these down. They're fun to look at. Judges 6.34, the Spirit of God clothes himself in Gideon. It says that he comes in power on Gideon, and the actual language is he like puts on a Gideon suit and wears him into battle to defeat Midian. All right? Judges 11.29, the Spirit of Yahweh comes upon Jephthah, who destroys 22 Ammonite cities um, and obliterates them, and Israel takes them over. Uh, and then the Spirit of the Lord comes on Samson multiple times, and he uses the same terminology that we hear here in Acts, uh, that the Spirit of God comes in power. And he does it over and over in, the, book, in uh, the story of Samson in the book of Judges. Judges 13, 25, the Spirit of God begins to stir Samson. In Judges 14, 6, the Spirit of God comes on Samson, and he rips a lion in half. Okay? Um, okay. Okay. Uh, you guys with me? I mean, have you ripped a lion in half lately? I don't. Um, Judges 14, 19, the Spirit of God comes on Samson when he kills 30 men in Ashkelon, strips their clothes off, and gives them to a guy who he lost a bet with. Um, Judges 15, 14, the Spirit of God comes in power on Samson, and he breaks some ropes, picks up a dead uh, donkey's jawbone, and kills a thousand men. Amen. Okay. Okay. Uh, that is like the best action movie that ever happened. Um, Jesus says, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the disciples here, you're going to kill everyone. You're going to be empowered to destroy all the people who have mocked you and put you down and oppressed you. Uh, and somehow we sit in these seats, and sometimes we get a little, I think we get a little disheartened at our misnomers, our misconceived notions about the Spirit. Take heart, the disciples did too. I remember on my 18th birthday, I was living in Lakeland, Florida, and uh, I was in college down there. And I was, we were down at this lake that's really popular in the city. It's called Lake Mirror one night. And we were just walking around because that's what we did in Bible college. We just walked around lakes. Um, nothing fun to do in Lakeland. And we were walking around, and I had this impending sense. Like I was turning 18. It was November 1st. Halloween had just passed. And I had this impending sense of like, I need to establish something with God tonight. You know, like, I'm a man. I'm 18. I know all things. And I was walking around the lake, and lo and behold, I looked, and there was a coven of witches 
I'm not making this up. There was a whole group of witches circled up around the front of the lake, and I thought to myself, this is it. God is going to empower me to take his enemies down. I'm in Bible college. I'm 18. Now's the time. If you're going to take on a group of witches, it's, it's the day. And so I started to walk around the lake, and I can't for the life of me tell you why I was thinking the way that I was thinking, but I was like getting amped up about this. Like, man, they do not even know what is coming. Like, I don't know if I thought I was going to fight them or like, like pray for them and, uh, and they were going to be seized. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. I just, I had this, this like conquering thing in me and I got about three quarters of the way around the lake and I was like, you're an idiot. Like I just turned around and walked away and realized something was deeply wrong with me. You know, it was a lot of grandeur, but there was no love. (laughs) Um, I think you and I can imagine what the disciples are feeling in this moment. They hear that the Holy Spirit is coming and all of these flashes of what they believe about the Spirit and what they believe about how he impacts their life, that starts to move through their hearts and minds really quickly. And I believe in the same way you and I, when we come to the person of the Spirit, we come with so many questions and pictures. We come with pictures of abuse that we've seen. Uh, We come with pictures of of people who have misused the gifts and mislabeled things, who have uh, been really hard with the gifts. And then we see incredible things that have happened when the Holy Spirit manifests in people's lives. I, I wish I had an hour just to tell you all of the prophetic words that were so timely when people were empowered to speak a word into my life that was specific and targeted and timely, and it was sharp. It was dead on where I was in a season. It was them saying things that they had no business knowing about me and probably forgot right after the conversation. But those things were like, they were like the sword of the Spirit. God cut into the fabric of my heart and he did something. So we've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. This morning, I want us to take a look at what it is that Jesus actually meant. And I want to encourage you to believe That in the same way the disciples in the the New Testament church couldn't live without the power of the Spirit, couldn't accomplish the works that Jesus called them to without the work of the Spirit, that you and I cannot live and breathe. We can't do what God has called us to do apart from the presence and the power of God at work in our lives. And I, I don't know what faith expression you're from or what your experience is. I'm really sorry if you've had bad experiences. I have too. We've all been around people Um, who have operated really maybe uh, negligibly in the things of the Spirit. And I want to take a moment and just say, I'm sorry, man, if you have been wounded and beat up by that, man, I apologize. I know that for so many of us, we carry so much damage from seeing things done in charismatic circles with things of the Spirit. Um, But how many of you know the Spirit uses flawed vessels? It's kind of the deal. The church is full of them. Your family's full of them. You're full of them, you know. Like, we're all flawed vessels. And so this morning, I really want us to uh, redirect our focus into what Jesus is teaching us. Uh, So you can imagine for the disciples, they're envisioning themselves with the strength of Samson or the bravery of Gideon. Um, And Jesus starts to direct them to see that that is not what he's talking about. In fact, he says, guys, it's not up to you to know the times or the dates. Like, you're not necessarily wrong that one day God's going to come back to destroy his enemies. That's in the scripture too. But that's not what this is about. This is about the power to transform hearts, not the power to conquer people. Jesus says, you're going to receive this power, but it's power to be my witnesses. It's power to change the human heart. 
The baptism of the Spirit, you see, the power of God, and if you're taking notes, write this down, is given to destroy the works of the devil by being witnesses to Jesus in all the earth. Very simply, the power of God that he wants to give each and every one of us is the power to destroy the works of, devil, of the devil by being witnesses to Jesus. Now, God knows that this can't happen apart from his Spirit's power in us, and you and I cannot be effective to overcome and to witness to Jesus uh, if we're not full of his spirit. You'll be like me at the lake. You'll try to take up a weapon when he really just wants you to love people and pray for him. Or you will take up political power to bring about legislated changes when God wants you to love people and to share Jesus. We will choose earthly weapons when God is clothing us with spiritual power if we're not careful. Uh, we are absolutely dependent. We are reliant on the power of God to carry out God's mission in the earth. And I believe that God wants to bring his church. He wants to bring you and I on a personal and a collective basis to realize that it's not our finances and it's not our influence that is going to gain transformation in our community or in your family. It is the power of the Spirit at work in the human heart and through you proclaiming that to people around you. God wants to teach us what it is to carry his mantle his spirit in each and everything that we say and do. Why? Because God is all about the lost. God loves people. If we were to go out the double doors of this church this morning and kind of walk around this community, you would find home after home after home full of broken people. And for some of you this morning, maybe you came in and you feel just as broken as anybody in our community. God, his heart delights in you. His heart delights in the broken. Even those who are so distant, so disconnected, so sinful, God's heart still burns for them. And so, of course, God, who is a good father, who longs to show his goodness and his love to his people, of course he's going to give us the very best gift, the very best weapon, his presence and power, so that we can share, share his love and power with the people around us. He has called us to do this specific mission, and he has uh, made it very clear that he's going to equip us to do everything that we need to do. A couple of years ago when we started to do uh, missions, we were transitioning out of pastoral ministry. Um, I had a lot of free time on my hands in the mornings. I'd been in like office life for years and years, and suddenly I had all this time. And I remember I was sitting in my carport one morning. I was living right behind Evangel Temple, uh, and if, if you're familiar with Evangel Temple in the town, and um, I was doing my devotion one morning, and I was no longer a pastor, and so the Lord had really been, like, teaching me to not try to be everybody's pastor, and it was like a, he was really reorienting st some stuff in my heart. And I was sitting there doing my devotion, and one of the guys who used to be in our church from years back, he started to call me. And now, a little background, um, I, I love this guy, but he was in and out of prison uh, on drug charges, and every time he called, it meant he needed money. And so I just kind of knew from our relationship and our history what this was going to be. And so I quickly did the spiritual thing, and I declined his call and went back to my Bible, right? Because that's, that's very spiritual. And I sat there, and I continued to read and pray, and the guy called again. And I thought, man, the audacity. He called to interrupt my devotion time for a second time. Click, decline, no thank you, sir, I'm with Jesus, you know? I went on to read again, and he texted me out of nowhere. He said, Grant, I'm in trouble. And I thought, oh, man, the Holy Spirit was like, pick it up, you idiot. You know, like, <laughs> call the guy. Uh, and so that was my repentance moment. So I picked up the phone, and I called him, and I said, hey, are you okay? And he said, no, I'm in danger. And I said, tell me, what's going on? And he said, I borrowed $40 from a guy, 
and he's holding me hostage in his house, and he will not let me go until I pay it. And I said, are you telling me that you're in physical danger? He said, yeah. He said, I think if I try to leave, he's going he's gonna to kill me. <laughs> so translation, I used $40 worth of crack, and I don't have money to pay him. That's the translation. And so I'm sitting there, and I think, okay. I said, I'm not going to come to the house, but if you can get to the gas station that's just up the road from where you're at, I'll meet you there with $40, you know. And I'm, I'm thinking about all the ramifications, you know. Now I'm, I'm paying drug dealers and stuff. Like, it's getting interesting. Um, but I'm thinking, I don't want my friend to die. Like, this is, you know, obviously, I'm going to give him some money. And so I get off the phone, and I call the biggest human that I can think who might be available. And it was my twin brother. I was like, Evan. And Evan's big, round shoulders, you know. I called him, and I said, Evan, I need your help. I'm in the sketchiest situation. I just need you to ride with me. And he was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I can't help you right now. Thanks a lot, you know. So I'm going to be in the headlines. Local pastor dies in drug raid, you know, or paying off drug dealer. I'm just seeing all the headlines kind of rotate in my head. And um, as I was sitting there and talking to Evan, Evan said, but I don't remember what that guy looks like. He said, well, you send me a screenshot of of his name. And I said, yeah, yeah, okay. So I took a screenshot from Facebook, you know, and uh, and it says all of the information, like where you're from, when you went to school, all that good stuff. And I shot it over to him. And as I was just kind of glancing at it, it said from Terrell County, which is like around Albany, if you know that. And I remember seeing that and saying, Terrell, and the Holy Spirit said, that is the name of the guy who's holding him hostage. And I thought, that's weird. Maybe I'm a little off, you know what I mean? And I had really been pushing in and asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you just teach me to hear your voice clearly? Like for weeks and weeks with, with, sorry, with tears, because there's nothing like hearing God's voice. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing like the power of the Spirit going with you, going before you, changing your day. And I was sitting there, and I was uh, suddenly just kind of grasped by that. But I honestly thought I was just weird, you know, because uh, I am. And so I said, yeah, okay, just tuck that away. Uh, I told Chrissy, I said, baby, please pray. Uh, you know, I'm going to go do this really sketchy thing. She gave me a weird look, and then I left. Um, <laughs> I got in the car, and I got down to the gas station, and my friend was there, and he was emaciated, and you could tell he hadn't eaten uh, and he was, you know, had white stuff all over his face. And I'm, man, I just felt like God's heart poured out for this guy. And I was just hugging him and embracing him and begging him to leave this lifestyle, you know. Um, and as I looked at him, I said, have you eaten? He said, no. I said, okay, let me get you some food and I'll take you back and just drop you off at that house. I don't know why that was my thought, but it was. So he gets in the car with me. I'm giving him the cash. And um, my phone starts to ring. When I pick the phone up, it's the drug dealer. He has my phone number now. We're in a relationship. <laughs> he says, hey, man, do you have the guy? I said, yeah, I got him. <laughs> I said, uh, and the Holy Spirit does this stuff sometimes. He's really disarming and funny. I said, hey, we're, I'm going to get him a burger. Do you want something? And you could hear the silence on the other end of the phone like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I could eat. And I said, cool, cool, cool. Do you want like a cheeseburger meal, double cheeseburger? You want a quarter pounder meal? I didn't know what was going on. I was just like caught in a moment. And um, <laughs> as I was sharing it with him, he was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, man. You could tell he was so uncomfortable. He didn't want to even ask for it. And I was like, no, man, I'll get you a really good one. You know, so hung up or I'm sorry, right before I hung up, I said, hey, before I get off the phone with you, can I ask you a question? I said, I feel like God told me your name. Totally weird. Can you tell me what your name is? And he said, my name is Terrell. 
And I felt the presence of God flood my car um, because he, had, he was setting me up, you know, with a drug dealer in a really sketchy situation. <laughs> God will set you up with a drug dealer if you're not careful, okay? Um, and I was sitting there, and the Lord said, that's that dude's name. And I told the guy, I was like really broken, and I said, man, I don't know you. And I said to the drug dealer, I, this is easily the sketchiest situation I've ever been involved in. I said, but I feel like God has sent me to talk to you today, and I don't know why. I don't know about what, um, which was kind of boneheaded to say also. But we got there, and um, I had hung up the phone. I handed him a burger, which he didn't really know how to accept. And um, he was propped up on the porch, and it looked like he had a gun in his pants. And so I was like, this is an interesting situation, you know? Like, I don't know how this is going to go. And as I stood there, I said, look, I don't know you. I don't know anything about you, but I feel like God told me your name for a reason, just to show you that he's thinking about you and to show me that this is on purpose and it's not some sketchy mistake. And I started to pray for the guy, and I said, I'm, I'm going to pray for you, um, I, but I don't have anything specific. I just want to listen to the Lord. And I started to pray, and God just gave me a very simple picture in my head for this guy. And I just shared the picture after I said amen. And he started to tear up, and he said, man, another guy, another pastor told me that same vision three months ago. He said it was exactly the same. And like I got all this boldness because I realized, man, God is confirming words. He's given me this guy's name, like what's going on. And so I just start sharing about Jesus, sharing about the gospel, about a transformed life. And guys, God got a hold of that guy's heart on the porch and he gave his life to Jesus standing there on a crack house holding a Burger King bag, you know, and 40 bucks that I paid him. And it was like the most miraculous thing. <laughs> And I just wanted to keep declining my phone. There is something that happens when the power of God touches your life, when you realize he's with you and when you don't. In normal ways and in abnormal, in natural and supernatural. You can be doing the most mundane thing and God can show up and anoint and manifest himself in your life that transforms and changes other people. And if it's up to us, we just want to decline and stay doing our devotion. It's safe. It's tight. It's me and Jesus. But Jesus' heart burns for our city. His heart burns for our country. His heart burns for the lost. And we need and we rely on, we depend on the power of the Spirit to walk with God and to accomplish what He has called us to do. Whether that's at Benning and going back to Bragg, ladies. Whether that's in Aflac. Whether that's taking care of babies on a Saturday night. Laura, when you don't want to, when you're tired, right? You need the power of the Holy Spirit at work. We need Him. You need Him. The disciples needed Him. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. That is why his ministry was what it was, because he was filled. So what keeps us from Pentecost? What keeps us from experiencing what the disciples experienced in Acts chapter 2? I think one of the first things that keeps us there is fear. We're so afraid of losing control. And for some of us, your vision of the Holy Spirit or the picture that you bring to the table is of like a really rambunctious wild God who's prying your fingers off of your life. And i, I got to be honest there is a part where he will take you into areas like working with, this guy's last name was Rambo, okay? Uh, with the drug dealer whose name is Rambo, who's coming to Jesus. There are times where he will take you into water where you're clearly incapable of getting there on your own. There's nothing better, I'll be honest with you. But for some of you, that freaks you out. Can, can I encourage you? 
that God doesn't force you into stuff. He's a, the Spirit is a gentleman. He is teaching you to trust Him. And that it's all about you walking in yieldedness and giving access to the person of Jesus. Some of us are scared to death of, of being uh, embarrassed in front of people. We're scared to death of losing control. Uh, and I just want to encourage you that God is trustworthy. And that if he has promised the Spirit as a gift for all believers, that you and I need the power of the Spirit and we need to walk with him. And so don't fear losing control. Don't fear that he's going to put you in a weird situation. But trust him and open your heart and your mind to what he wants to say and to do. Secondly, uh, many of us just feel inadequate. We feel incapable. And i got to be honest, that would be me. Like in my history with the Spirit, I've often felt like I wasn't, smart enough or gifted enough or holy enough. Like we feel like we have to have enough for the Holy Spirit to work in us. There's anybody else in here like that? You just feel like, man, I've got so many flaws and inconsistencies. Uh, guys, look at the crowd of people that Jesus baptizes in the Spirit. It's incredibly encouraging. Like Peter had just denied Jesus two weeks before that or three weeks. I mean, it was just a matter of weeks before that. Peter denies him curses, and they all run away and act like they don't know Jesus. This is the same crew that he baptizes weeks later in the Spirit, in power, to proclaim the gospel. So if you feel inadequate, get in line. Like, we are all inadequate for what we feel like God is calling us to do. But Jesus reminds us over and over that he delights to give you the kingdom. It is his pleasure, it is his joy to look at your life, and though you feel feeble and weak, he promises still to give you this gift of the Spirit. He promises. Inadequacy. Thirdly, for some of us, we don't have faith to receive the Spirit. The Spirit isn't something that we conjure up. Uh, I remember sitting at Starbucks one day with a group of guys, and a, um, a senior gentleman came up, and he was telling us about how he learned about the Spirit. And it was just a coercive thing. They would just force people to babble like they were speaking in tongues, and that for them was the Spirit. And I thought, man, what a tragedy. What a tragedy. So many people have grown up in experiences where we just force things to feel like the Spirit is moving. And if that's been your experience, I am really sorry. That's not what we believe. That's not who we believe the Spirit is. That is not what we believe our role is in partnering with the Spirit. Um, but receiving the Spirit is a matter of faith. In the same way that you are saved by grace through faith in Christ, you are also filled with the Spirit by grace through faith in Christ. It's not something you can earn. And God has really been pushing in with me on that. This, this past week, um, because I have some of that sense of inadequacy or even faith, I was talking to the Lord about this week. And, and i got to be honest, even as a pastor, there are times where I'll carry nerves about things. And, man, I was a little nervous, like... The Holy Spirit is so special and so priority to me. Uh, I came in honestly, Steve, just feeling like I'm a little nervous. You know, how does this work? And God started to talk to me on the airplane. I was coming back from Yosemite in California. And um, I felt like God said, reminded me of that passage out of Matthew 10, where he says, freely you have received, now freely give. And he was talking about the ministry of the disciples, right? Uh, he was saying, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, Raise the dead. Freely you've received, freely give. And God started to tell me, like point out this thing in me. He said, Grant, what does it mean to freely receive? What does it mean for you to receive something freely? 
And he started to remind me that the Holy Spirit is not something you earn or qualify for apart from faith in Jesus. And so this morning, if you are a person of faith, if you're in a covenant relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to believe and to understand that you have qualified for the things of the Spirit by your faith in Christ. Are you with me? Are you with me? I know there's lots of little distractions right now. I just want to make sure we're all together. You qualify for everything that God has for you by faith in Jesus. You don't have to reach a certain pinnacle. You don't have to know enough scripture. You don't have to have prayed for like 234 people before you can receive the Spirit. Like, you're good. If your faith is in Christ as the justification for your sins and your righteousness, he says, I got a gift for you. A present just for you, Hannah. A present just for you, Rachel. I just want you to understand, you can't earn him, and he's coming in fullness. Grant, do you understand what it is to have something for free? And I realized that God was prodding something in me that I still try to earn stuff. If we're not careful, we will subtly still just try to earn stuff. Earn our righteousness with God. Earn the Spirit You know, there's this really scary passage where Simon the sorcerer sees the disciples praying for people and they're baptized in power in the spirit. And he says, I want that gift. Can I buy it? And they say, basically, you are cursed because you tried to purchase the gift of God. God wants to give you a gift. And if we try to purchase it or earn it or twist his arm to receive it, we're missing out on his character and his goodness and his grace. This morning, I believe with all my heart that for some of you, man, you have felt so inadequate and you haven't had faith to receive it because that's a gift. And you feel like you have to live up to something first. And God wants you to know that the Spirit is a promise. He is a promise and He is a gift for you. Uh, Fourthly, maybe you have a rooted sin or some unforgiveness. There, there is a hurdle in your heart that has kept you from receiving. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for years and asking and seeking, but there is something that is holding that back. I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit gently convicts us so that he can bring us into freedom and remove that stuff that stalls grace out in our heart. And for some of you this morning, maybe that has been an indication for you of why the Spirit Uh, you haven't received that kind of Pentecost. Uh, And lastly, often we don't have a clear understanding of the Spirit. We do think He's just a force that will zap us or an energy or something like that, but He is the person of Jesus. Guys, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Everything that you have loved about Jesus, encountering Him from the Scriptures, the way He heals, the way He transforms, the way He opens blind eyes and faces down those who are condemning It's the same Jesus. It's the same spirit. I remember we were in Prague years ago and um, had a a group from the door. It was an old young adult ministry in town. Uh, And we were on the streets ministering one night. We were praying for heroin addicts at a railway station. And we were praying for this lady. And uh, her friend looked at her and she said, she's a famous drug addict. And I didn't know what she meant. She said, no, like she's really famous. You can look her up online. There's documentaries out about her, all this stuff. Uh, And it was true. We looked on YouTube, and there's all of these incredible documentaries about this, life's, this lady's life and how it has unraveled because of heroin. Lost her husband, lost her child, just utter despair. And we're praying for her, and sometimes when we were praying for people, they would be harsh and hard and cold. But 
y'all, I was looking at this lady, and she was so tender to the presence of God. She was so tender to the Spirit. And I said, have you ever walked with Jesus? And the translator translated it. And he said, yeah, she has. And I said, ask her what happened. And she responded back, when I walked with Jesus, he was so gentle that I couldn't handle it. He, he, he was so kind. He was so tender that she, her experience said, I'm not deserving enough for that. I think sometimes we would be shocked to know the profound gentleness and kindness and goodness of Jesus expressed in the Holy Spirit. That when he comes to you, he comes, as my dad has spoken the last two weeks, not just to free us from the inside out, but to transform us in power from the outside. To change the way that we live to where we we walk out the mission of God and we do it with the, the presence and the power of God. And what does Jesus have to say to these fears of ours? To our fear and our inadequacy or our lack of faith or our sin? He simply says, wait, and you will be baptized. Notice the simplicity. No hoops. No big hurdles. Jesus extends a hand to each and every one of us, and he says, though you have the resident spirit in you at salvation, and listen to me, if you haven't been with us the last couple weeks, if you are in relationship with Jesus, if you have faith in him, the scripture tells us in John 20 that Jesus breathed on his disciples and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. You didn't receive part of the Spirit. You didn't receive a fraction or a piece of a force. You received the full person of the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of Jesus. He lives in you by faith. But he also said, wait in Jerusalem because there's this other gift that you need. And the Father promises it. It's not a suggestion. It's not conditional on whether or not you have a good Tuesday. Right? It's not... It's not up to whether or not your Starbucks drink was right. Like, this is a promise. He says, wait, and you will be baptized in the Spirit. And I might add that you and I have to learn how to not just passively wait, but actively wait. You know, Paul, in the Scriptures, he goes to this town in Ephesus, and he says, did you receive the Spirit when you first believed? In other words, did you, he doesn't say receive passively, he uses this active tense word, did you take hold of? Did you take possession of the Spirit who takes hold of you? There is something about not just waiting and sitting back, but recognizing that God has promised the Spirit, and so He is ours to take hold of. God, you promised power. You promised your overwhelming presence with us, that you would go before us, that you would change the way that we live. We take hold of that by waiting We wait in prayer. We wait in worship. We wait in community and in loving one another. But as we wait, we wait actively awaiting God to endue us with power, to clothe us in something much greater than just our five senses, six senses, (laughs) right? He clothes us in himself. He clothes us in himself. So we should actively wait. And this simple word of Jesus is all that you and I need. If we are in this covenant relationship with Jesus, then his promise is for you and you can trust him. I don't know, I don't have any grid for who's in the room this morning or your experience with the Spirit. Not fully, I know a lot of you. But I know this, that whoever you are, wherever you come from, the Lord wants to fill you again today. 
That this is a filling that doesn't ever stop. That God poured out his spirit on Pentecost and he longs to pour out his spirit today in Columbus, Georgia on June the 9th, right? He has a profound work today. He doesn't just look backwards and he's not just looking forwards. He's here now to fill us. He's accessible now to fill you. And he's not accessible simply to fill the person in the pew in front of you. He's accessible to you. He's accessible to me. He longs for us more than we even long for him. He describes the Spirit's gift, or the baptism, again, listen to me, those two words, as the gift that is promised. How many of you know that if this gift has been promised, it's not promised for a select You know, there are strains of the church that believe this was just for the apostles. What a tragedy. And again, if that's your background, I'm not trying to say anything about it. I'm just saying that this is the gift promised for all children. That's why Joel 2.28 says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on some flesh? No, all flesh. Sons and daughters, old men and young men, nobody's left out. I'm doing a comprehensive work for all people. Guess what? You're in that group. I'm in that group. Where am I? Sorry. Last question. What is the impact of the power of the Spirit in our lives? How does the Holy Spirit impact Lauren money on a Monday, right? What does it look like for the Holy Spirit to live through Rose, through Brianna? Did I get them right? Nailed it. Okay. Acts 2 shows us this plainly. Peter, who weeks earlier had denied and fled from Jesus, now boldly preaches fluently in the Scripture. Right? Like he can't put his hands together right in the Scripture. Um, that's, that's an embellishment. <laughs> we just see kind of Peter in all of these situations where he's failing. And suddenly, he boldly stands up before 3,000 people and they come to faith in a single day and he preaches the word with fluency. Right? In fact, Peter actually preaches to crowds in chapters 2, and then again in chapter 3, and then again in chapter 4. And it actually says that he is filled with the Spirit, and he preaches to the Sanhedrin, the, the, the Pharisaical Jews. He stands up before them, and he preaches with power and authority. And the people actually note that he and John have been with Jesus. That is the sign that he is filled with the Spirit. They look on him, and he's preaching something they don't like, and they say... Man, this guy has been with Jesus. This is the same guy who was cursing Jesus because he was afraid of what it would cost him. Just a couple weeks before. Same dude, not a different guy. The power of the Spirit transforms. For some of you this morning, you have walked with this sense that something is missing. That I, I believe and I have faith and I'm trusting, but I feel like something is missing. And I'm telling you this morning, you may just be right, but Jesus has said, I have a gift and I'm promising him to you. Do not leave. Do not try to go to do it on your own. Hold up. Wait for him. He's coming. In the power of the Spirit, Peter can't shut up about Jesus. And in the power of the Spirit, we can't close our mouths about Jesus. What is the impact on our lives when the Holy Spirit moves through us? We cannot shut up about Jesus. Our lives are consumed with sharing the goodness and the love of Jesus with others. Everything we say, everything we do is ultimately really about people seeing Jesus. 
That is the impact of the, of the power of the Spirit. And it's not one plus one equals two like math by addition. It is exponential power when God manifests in your life. One last story. You guys good? Okay. One last story. We were in Prague years ago again, and um, we were walking through this town, and the town was named Zlonitsa. Say Zlonitsa. Zlonitsa. Hit it with some Russian twang. Zlonitsa. Okay, you're not trying. That's fine. That's fine. I love you anyway. This town is called Zlonitsa. It means evil nothing. What if Columbus was named evil nothing, right? So we went to this nice little town called Evil Nothing, uh, and it was just filled with gypsies. I didn't see a single Czech uh, person in the entire city. It was just gypsies. Um, and the gypsy people are, like, incredible. Everywhere they go, like, they're entrepreneurs, and they're moving from place to place, and super lively and energetic. And we roll into the city, and there's all of these young kids, like, out vandalizing stuff. There's like a group of 20 teenagers out vandalizing stuff and just talking trash about each other. And, you know, it felt like every group of teenagers I've ever seen. And um, let's be real. And we walk up to them, and we're talking to them for a little bit. Um, we go up into the city and start to walk the streets, and the teenagers are going with us. Uh, and as we walk door to door, we feel like the Holy Spirit tells us to just start praying for people. And Gabriel Pagan is with us, and Gabriel is like um, the megaphone of our group, like we just said, Gabriel, go do something fun, and all the town is going to come out. And so Gabriel just literally turned music on his phone and just started dancing in the street, okay? This is what happened. And all of these windows started opening, like ground-level windows, and people were leaning out, like just gypsies everywhere, leaning out, and they were like, what's going on? And then we started leaning in and talking to him about Jesus. It was just a natural thing. And Gabriel's over there dancing, and we're talking about Jesus, you know? And it was the perfect combination, and we see people start getting healed. Like there are people in the windows. We're leaning in and their bodies are being healed. They're who are sick. And we're talking to them about Jesus. And they're putting their faith in Christ. We're just walking through the dance music, you know. We get out after this incredible time. We're going back down the square. And there is a massive statue of St. John the Apostle. And we're there with those 20 kids, those punk teenage boys, you know. And uh we asked them, hey, who is this? And they said, oh, that's St. John. And we said, do you know anything about him? And they said, no. Um, and we started to share. And the Lord just gave all of this boldness. And I was able to talk to them about Jesus. And we had this group of guys. We were just sharing with them about the Lord. And those boys stood in a circle and gave their lives to Jesus under this statue of St. John in the middle of a city called Evil Nothing. Ten days later before we left, every single boy was baptized. And the rest, they brought out tons of people from their city who were saved and baptized. I got to tell you, I have lived without the power of the Spirit, and I have lived in the shadow of the power of the Spirit. And it is two different ways of living. You may be uh, passionate about Jesus and on fire for the things of God, um, but you haven't walked in the power of the Spirit, or you don't feel like you have received the fullness of the Spirit, I just want to encourage you today that Jesus, He gently invites us to receive a gift that has been promised to each and every one of us. Every one of us. And it makes all the difference. Luke chapter 11, verse 9, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. 
Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I love that word, ask. My girls know how to ask. They're real good at it. My daughter, Nora, right now, um, she doesn't know how to say your name one time. She has to say it 47, okay? Like, she is skilled at speaking. And both of our girls, they hit the stage where we would say, okay, time to be quiet. And they would say, no, 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 I have to talk. God made me to talk. <laughs> like, Lily told us one day, God created me to speak, you know? <laughs> They're evangelizing me to this gospel. It is all about them asking And Nora will ask us a hundred times until we can't do anything but say yes. You know, this word ask out of Luke 11, it actually means to to beg, to call for, to crave, to desire, even to require. It's not just simply like me asking you for a stick of gum. It's please, I cannot live without that stick of gum. (laughs) In the same way, he says ask. Why? He's already promised this gift. We simply assume the posture of begging, pleading, and asking, knowing that he's good and he loves to give. But we only come to him as beggars who receive by faith, and he gives us the best gift ever. I don't know where you've walked before, but I would encourage you today to ask. Ask. I don't know what industry you're in. I don't know what your future holds. But I promise you this, if you're going to walk with Jesus that Jesus would like to stir in you this desire for the gift that's been promised by the Father and for something more. Amen? Would you stand to your feet?